Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Take your scriptures in hand, and if you will turn with me, uh, in just a moment we'll be reading 2 Corinthians 5-7. We'll also be reading from uh, 2 Timothy 1-7 and Isaiah 43-1 but I'll let you know as we get there, amen. We're continuing our series tonight, Escape, because the Bible says that with every trial or temptation, God will also provide a way of escape. And we are looking at the things in our life that Satan uses to trap us, to keep us, to prevent us, to hinder us from walking in the fullness of life and in the will of God for our lives. And so uh, to, we've been looking at uh, different things that Satan uses to keep us trapped. We've looked at, uh, at worry, we've looked at stress, and tonight we're gonna look at breaking free from fear, breaking free from fear. Uh, I, I read a, a humorous story about two explorers who were on a jungle safari when suddenly a ferocious lion jumped out in front of them on the trail. Keep calm, the first explorer whispered. Remember that we read in that book about wild animals that if you stand perfectly still and look the lion straight in the eye, he'll be afraid of you and turn and run away. Sure, replied his companion. You've read the book and I've read the book, but has the lion read the book? He obviously was gripped by fear in the situation. And we all experience fear, even when we have read the book, the Bible. Amen? In fact, fear is one of the first emotions that we experience. One writer states that fear is one of the most basic human emotions. It is programmed into our nervous system and works like an instinct. From the time we're infants, we are equipped with survival instincts necessary to respond with fear when we sense danger or when we feel unsafe. So fear can actually help to protect us. It can alert us to danger and it can prepare us to deal with whatever threat may be uh, uh, facing us. So fear is a natural part of the human experience and we deal with it at all ages and all stages of life. For instance, most people are afraid of spiders and snakes. Anybody here afraid of spiders and snakes? A few honest people, amen. A few hands went up. Um, and, and, and that fear is with good reason. Why? Because some spiders and some snakes are poisonous. So God built in this instinctive fear reaction in order to protect us so that when we are presented with those potentially dangerous creatures, that we won't just go up and you know pick them up and play with them and possibly die, amen? Um, how many of you are afraid of sharks? Anybody afraid of sharks? Oh, a lot more hands went up on that one. A lot of people are afraid of sharks, and with good reason, because sharks are dangerous. Even, yeah, somebody said they all live in Florida, true. Even though the odds of being attacked by a shark are actually only one in 11.5 million. So very small percentage. But some people allow their fear of sharks to keep them from ever getting into the ocean. 
even though the odds of being bitten by a shark are extremely low. 30 million Americans describe themselves as anxious flyers. Some people let their fear of flying keep them from ever taking a trip to see their family or to visit new places or to see their friends. So fear can paralyze you, stop you from doing certain things. So on one hand, fear can be beneficial in keeping us safe from things that are potentially dangerous. But when fear consumes us and controls us, then it can entrap us and prevent us from living the victorious life or the joy-filled, purposeful life that God has called us to live. In Romans 8.15, Paul equates this type of unhealthy fear to a form of slavery. He says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Do you know that fear can enslave you? I mean, there's some people that have so much fear. They're called uh, agrophobics. They cannot even leave their house, their apartment. They can't walk outside the door. So fear can enslave you. Fear can, can be a trap that the devil uses to keep us in bondage, paralyzing us in our walk with the Lord and prevent us from being maximized for the kingdom of God. When we allow fear to control us or consume us, we are essentially taking our eyes off of Jesus and allowing fear rather than faith to rule in our heart. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and I'm reading it from the New King James, it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. But when we're allowing fear to direct our decisions and dominate our actions, we cannot walk in God's will for our lives. Fear keeps us from being the person that God is calling us to be. Fear keeps us from doing what God is calling us to do. Fear is also a formula for failure. How do I know? Because Israel allowed fear to keep them from going up to possess the promised land when they were camped at Kadesh Barnea. And, and, and at that place, they saw the enemy as giants and they saw themselves as grasshoppers. And so they failed to go up and possess the land, even though God was giving it into their hand. So as a result of their fear, they refused to obey God and they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years where they died and that entire generation that failed to go up and possess the promised land were buried in the wilderness and never got to enter the promised land. The only two that, that were in that generation that go into, went into the promised land were Jacob and Caleb because they stood against the crowd and they said, we are able to go up and take the land because our God is with us and he is giving it into our hand. And because they stood in faith instead of fear, God allowed them to enter the promised land and, and possess their inheritance. So fear will lead you to failure, but faith frees us. Faith frees us to walk in God's will. Faith frees us to trust that he is with us. Faith frees us to trust that he is in control, that he will be with us, and he will protect us each step of the way. That's why the Bible says, fear not, do not be afraid, or, or um, do not fear more than 100 times. Why would God take up so much valuable real estate in the pages of Scripture to tell us over and over again to not be afraid, 
to not fear because he knows us and he knows how we can allow the enemy to use fear to control our lives. God does not want us to live in fear. In fact, Paul wrote to a young and timid pastor named Timothy. And he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline or a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. God does not want us to live in fear. Again, in Isaiah 43, 1, he says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Oh, because we belong to him. We know he takes care of what belongs to him. We do not need to be afraid. And that word redeem is very powerful in the original Hebrew. It means to purchase from slavery in order to set free. And one of the enslavements that he has purchased us to set us free from is the enslavement of fear. Of course, also, and more importantly, the enslavement of sin. But Jesus paid the price on the cross to redeem us. He purchased us to set us free, not only from sin, but also from the trap of fear. So the question we want to consider today is how do we escape the trap of fear to walk in freedom so that we can be who God is calling us to be and do what God is calling us to do? So we're going to look at the scripture and see some of the principles that will enable us to escape the trap of fear. The first one is face your fears. Identify what you're afraid of. Now I'm going to just mention some of the most common fears that will hold you back from serving God fully. One, fear of failure. We resist trying something new or, or something we're not certain that we can succeed at. But when we do that, we are keeping ourselves from walking in faith and depending on God to enable you to do what you cannot do. And, and how this manifests itself is that many times, I've seen it through the years in ministry, you'll ask somebody, hey, you know what? I think you would be great at doing X, Y, or Z, leading a small group, teaching a Sunday school class, helping with children's church, singing in the worship. Oh, no, no. I, I can't do that. I, and what are they doing? A lot of times they're just allowing fear, the fear that they won't be good enough, the fear that they'll fail. They're allowing fear to prevent them from stepping out in faith and being who God has called them to be and doing what God has called them to do. Then there's the fear of rejection. And this fear oftentimes hinders us from stepping out to minister to others or to witness to others. You know, well, what if I start telling somebody about Jesus and they don't like it and, and, and they don't want to be uh, my friend anymore or, or they ridicule me? Or... So what? What if they do? The Bible says if they reject what you're sharing with them, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. But we allow fear, the fear of rejection, to hinder us from stepping out to minister or witness and do what God has called us to do. Another fear, the fear of being judged, allowing what others think of us to be more important than what God thinks of us. Allowing what others think of us to be more important than what God thinks of us. And that can hinder us in many ways, you know? Sometimes we might be at the altar and the Holy Spirit starts moving on us, and we won't 
surrender to the Holy Spirit because we are afraid that we might cry or we might get slain in the Spirit or, or we might speak in other tongues and, and, and you know, other people might, might think we're crazy or something. You know? And, and so we allow that fear to hinder us from walking in the fullness of what God desires for us, for, from experiencing God fully. And then there's the fear of the unknown. And while the unknown may be out of our hands, it's not out of the hands of our faithful and capable God. When God was guiding Joshua and the people of Israel up into the promised land, he promised to be with them and to lead them. And in Joshua 3, 4, he says, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. You know what? We're fearful of the unknown. They had never been that way before. But you know what? God has already been that way. Wherever we're going, God's already been there before us. So we don't have to be fearful. Fearing the unknown is failing to have faith in the God who is with us to lead us, to guide us, and to fight on our behalf. And then there's the fear of taking risks. We prefer a comfortable faith that doesn't require us risking too much to follow Jesus. We prefer a status quo Christianity that doesn't require us to be stretched too much to follow Christ. A Christianity that doesn't cost us too much. And sometimes the, the lack of willingness to step out in faith because we're afraid that God will not be there to take care of our uh, challenges, to take care of our enemies, to enable us to overcome any obstacles that we might face. And fear can keep us from stepping out in faith to do what God is calling us to do. I remember uh, I, I, I planted this church in 1992, but the process started about uh, two years before that when God started putting on my heart uh, about starting a church. And I'm not going to get into to a whole lot of the details of how he began to put the pieces together. But anyhow, um, we started February of 1992, May of 1991. The pastor of the church under which I was serving uh, came to me, and he knew nothing of what God had been putting in my heart. And he came to me and said, you know what? Our church has the capability to mother a church by helping financially to get the church started. And um, I've been talking to the board about it, and I feel like you should be the one to pastor it. Now, I knew that that was God because God had already been putting it in my heart, even though I had been at that church for many years and was very comfortable there. I was the youth and young adults pastor, the children's pastor, the evangelism director, uh, uh, the, the adult Sunday school teacher, and I was very comfortable in uh, doing that. And so um, God had to really start to deal with my heart and through a series of events begin to detach my heart from the comfort of where I was and then present the opportunity. So then when he said, would you be interested? And I said, yes. He said, well, I have to talk to the board because they have to vote on it. And unless they approve it, because it's going to be a big expense. Anyway, they, they voted on it. They approved it. And I still remember I was, I was in Miami. I was driving down Northeast 6th Avenue um, and this fear gripped my heart. And I said, there was a voice inside of me that said, you've never been a senior pastor. You don't know anything about being a senior pastor. You're going to fail. And then I just started to pray, and God said to me, he said, this is of me. I've called you to do this, and because it's of me, I will guarantee the success. And it was just a peace that came over me 
from that time forward. But if I had allowed fear to reign, this church would never be here today. You see, the, that, that fear of taking a risk. You know, I was stepping out of uh, my salaried position down there, didn't know what was going to happen with the church here, and w would the church be able to support me, or, you know, but God was there each step of the way. The psalmist prayed, do not let me fall into the hands of my enemy. You know, don't, don't let me fail. Don't let me be overcome by the obstacles that the enemy puts in my place. We all struggle with this. What if I step out? What if God is not there to back me up? What if a problem happens? What? You know what? God is bigger than all of that. And we need to trust him. And then there's the fear of change. And most people do not like change. We are creatures of habit. And so when change is taking place in our life, we tend to stay up all night tossing and turning. And it's often due to the fact that we are wrestling with something that is changing in our life. Maybe it's a job change. Maybe it's a move. Maybe it's the kids going off to college. Maybe it's changes taking place at our church. We are afraid of how change will impact our lives. What will it mean for us? What will it mean for our wants? What will it mean for our needs? What will it mean for our future? But you know what? God is a God of change. Because he's always doing something new. He says, behold, will you not perceive it? I do a new thing. God's not into the stale, let's do the same thing over and 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 again. Till Jesus comes? No. He's constantly up to something. He's constantly moving in fresh ways. He's constantly doing things. Amen. And, and, and um, the Christian life is all about change. We are being transformed or changed into something new, into a new creation. But the fear of change will call us, cause us to resist the transforming work of the Holy Spirit or, or it will cause us to resist when God is calling us to step out of our comfort zone. We will miss out on the will of God and the blessing of God in our lives if we resist change. Another fear is the fear of being vulnerable. So we try to act strong all the time and we've got it all together. And, you know, somebody says, how are you doing? And you're blessed and highly favored of the Lord, even though, you know, we're all crumbling inside, you know. We put up all those walls to look like, you know, we're so strong. But those walls also keep God out. The Bible says that God's power is manifest in our weakness, not in our strength or our pretended strength. Amen. And we'll never know what it means to walk in the dependency of faith and the sufficiency of grace and move beyond the realm of only what we can do into the realm of what only he can do if we don't make ourselves vulnerable and say, God, I can't, but you can. I can't, but you can. We need to have that fear of vulnerability. And then there's the fear of what God might ask us to do. We're just certain that whatever God asks us to do is going to be so hard and so torturous and so miserable for some reason. When he's a good God. I'll never forget in the early 2000s, I went to a Christian concert, and I can't remember the, the, the name of the artist at this time. Uh, probably you can find it online by the name of the song I'm going to share with you in a moment. But I remember the story 
that he shared that as a young person, he was going with his youth group on a mission trip, and they were excited about going to Africa on a mission trip. But the first night there, they were sleeping in a tent on a dirt floor, and there were spiders crawling up on the tent. And, and as, a, as a young teenager, um, he was scared. And he remembered praying, God, I really want to serve you however you call me, but please don't send me to Africa as a missionary. And out of that, he wrote a somewhat humorous song titled, Please Don't Send Me to Africa. And the first verse of the song says, Oh Lord, I'm your willing servant. You know that I have been for years. I'm here in the pew every Sunday and Wednesday. I've stained it with many a tear. I've given you years of my service and I've always given my best. And I've never asked you for anything much. So Lord, I deserve this request. Please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. You know, and, and, and the sentiment that he expresses in this song is a sentiment that we oftentimes struggle with. The fear of, yes, God, I want to answer your call, but only if you're not calling me to do this, this, or this, or this. You know, because we are afraid of what God might call us to do. I remember years ago, I was in Bible college, and we had gone on some type of ministry trip, and we had driven across Alligator Alley. And somewhere over there in the middle of the Everglades, we passed by a small Assembly of God church that was meeting in what looked like a trailer in the midst of the Everglades. And suddenly, this fear gripped my heart and said, that's where God is going to send you. <laughs> it did, no lie. And I started, oh, Jesus, please, please don't send me to the middle of the Africa. But it's strange how those fears come upon you. And it's really the enemy that is trying to intimidate you and keep you from giving your wholehearted yes to whatever God desires for you. Amen? Because you know what? Even if God did put me in the middle of the Everglades, his will is good and his will is perfect. Amen? And he would have been with me there in the, in the middle of the Everglades. All right? But, but in the end, this, this uh, guy that wrote that song, he served God in another way. He became a famous singer-songwriter, and he worked with many missions organizations, traveling to more than 45 countries, one of which was, so he has ministered in Africa, but not in the uh, intimidating, fearful way that he thought it would, would end up. The fear of what God might call us to do is a failure of faith to trust that God will never call us where his grace will not keep us. God will never call us where his grace will not keep us. Now, be honest. We've talked about a lot of struggles with fear. How many of you have struggled with some of these fears that we've mentioned tonight? Probably... 99% of you, and for the other 10%, we'll give an altar call for liars when the service is over with. But if you just ignore or hide your fears, you'll never overcome them. You need to be honest and identify your fears so that you can surrender your fears to God. That's the next thing. One writer so aptly states, fears lie is that you can't trust God to take care of your future. That lie is fueled by the question, what if? There are infinite variations of the question, what if? 
But we overcome the spirit of fear by surrendering. He says this involves an attitude of total trust in God's goodness, power, and provision, which will help you to overcome the spirit of fear. If we have a good God, would he ever do something to us that is not for our well-being? Amen? we got to trust God. Every opportunity to fear is also an opportunity to faith, to place your faith in God. Psalm 56 verses 3 and 4 says, But when I am afraid, he didn't say I'm never afraid. He says, But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? The psalmist is saying when you're afraid, put your faith in God. See, every time you feel fear, it is an opportunity to choose to put your faith in God. We need to confess our fear just like the psalmist did. He said, when I am afraid. That's identifying and facing your fear and bringing it to God, confessing it to God. Then surrender your fear to God. Give it to him. I will put my trust in you, he says. I will put my trust in you, Lord. I am afraid, but I surrender that fear to you. I'm trusting in you. Then remember God's promises. Look at the first part of verse 4. He says, I praise God for what he has promised. What has God promised? Well, we can't look at all his promises tonight because there's hundreds of them in the Bible. But listen to one of God's promises in Psalm 41, verse 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. That should settle the fear question right there. God is with us. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. What a wonderful promise of God, amen? So if you have placed your faith in Christ, if you belong to him, then he says, even when there is something to be afraid of, you don't need to be fearful because I am with you. And I will be with you in everything, everything you face and I will be to you everything you need. Folks, I'll be honest with you, seven years ago when I got a diagnosis of stage three cancer, I walked out of the doctor's office and there was a fear that just filled my heart. I said, this is it, you're gonna die. Because he said, your cancer is rare. It doesn't um, respond well to, to uh, chemo and, 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 and radiation and traditional treatments. And so was giving a, a, a very bleak prognosis. And when I walked out of the doctor's office, this fear just came. And I remember um, that, that night at home, I was sleeping in my recliner because they had done surgery and I was cut from my pelvic bone all the way up here to almost my breastbone to take out the mass uh, intact because it was 23 centimeters, very large. And so I was in a lot of pain, could only sleep on the recliner. And um, I was there and, and tears just started flowing down my cheeks about three o'clock in the morning. And that fear was just in my heart. And I just started praying in the spirit. I'm so grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because when we can't pray, he prays through us. Amen. And just praying in the spirit. And at that moment, the words of Job came to me. When Job said, I can't find God. I look for him on the right and I look for him on the left. I look for him in front of me. I can't find God. But then he said, but he knows the way that I take. 
and when he has tried me, he will bring me forth like gold. And the Spirit said, did you hear that? He's going to bring you out. You're not going to stay in this. You're not going to die in this. He's going to bring you out. And when the Holy Spirit spoke that to my heart, peace just came over me. And I went through that whole process of dealing with chemo and radiation in what I describe as a bubble of peace. Even two of the radiology texts that I witnessed to, um, I gave them, after witnessing to them, gave them a Bible my last week of chemo. And um, they said to me, they said, you know, we're going to miss you because every time you come in here, your aura, they don't have spiritual language for it, so uh, they called it an aura. They said, your aura is so different. Every time you come in here, you bring such peace and joy. Folks, it wasn't my peace. It was his peace that passes all understanding. Amen? But he had filled me with such peace that even those around me could see that peace. That's the difference that God can make in our life. So, folks, the Bible doesn't say we won't fear. But it says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I will put my trust in you. And a part of that is remembering God's promises. He has given promises to, to this promise, particularly here when he says, don't be afraid, I, I will be with you. They were facing a very real enemy. They were facing an army that could consume them. They were in some very scary circumstances. And God says to them, don't be afraid. First of all, that's a command. Don't be afraid. And, and, and there's the promise, the reason why we don't have to be afraid, for I am with you. Folks, there are some very real enemies, some very scary circumstances that we will face in life, but they don't take God by surprise, amen? And when he is with you, he will fight the battle for you, and he will enable you to face it and to overcome it, amen? So don't be afraid, trust in the Lord. And here I am, seven years out from a cancer diagnosis. The doctors say I'm cured. I say I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. So the negative command is don't be afraid. The positive command is trust in God because he is with you and he's capable of taking care of whatever you face. Every opportunity to fear is also an opportunity to place your faith in God. So the first principle, face your fears. Second principle, fight your fears. Fear is of the devil, and it is the enemy of faith. Fear is not from God. We read it earlier in 2 Timothy 1, 7. God has not. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Whatever fear you feel, God is not the source of it. The only fear that is of God is, is that protective fear that we talked about earlier, and most importantly, the fear of reverence for God. Amen? The Bible calls that the fear of the Lord, but that's a healthy fear where we stand in awe and reverence of God. So this type of fear, the fear of God, is not a, a fear of dread or being afraid, but a, a fear of loving devotion that draws us to God to worship him. Every other type of fear that makes us afraid does not come from God, but from the devil. Author Dr. Bruce, Bruce Cook writes, Satan is the source of fear. Fear is one of Satan's main strategies for immobilizing God's workers. Satan is the master of scare tactics, and fear is an enemy of faith. I like that. Satan is the master of scare tactics, 
and fear is the enemy of faith. Satan sows fear into our hearts and uses it to control, to intimidate and paralyze us from serving God and doing his will. The target of fear is to prevent us from trusting God. Fear is a direct assault against faith. And fear is a key component of the spiritual battle that we face. And that's why Paul tells us that we need the shield of faith. Why? Because it is a vital part of the armor of God to deflect the fiery darts of the devil. Every time we choose to trust God and stand upon his word, we are deflecting the attacks of the enemy. Those fears that the enemy comes in, those doubts that the enemy comes against us with, we are deflecting those attacks with the shield of faith. Fear is also conquered by actively pursuing God. We see this so clearly in Joshua 1 as God calls Joshua to step into some big shoes because he's going to be taking over for Moses. He's going to be leading the children of Israel after Moses' death. And God says to Joshua, now it's time for you to rise up and lead this people into the promised land. Now remember, it was fear that kept the people from going up to possess the land 40 years earlier. Amen? And now God says, you're going to lead them up into the promised land. And listen to the promise that God gives to Joshua in Joshua 1, 5, and 7. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you. Have you seen this repetition in the Bible? We don't need to fear. Why? Because God will be with us. When we are living for God and doing his will, we can count on the fact that he'll be with us. So he says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. That's the opposite of fear, okay? Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. But I want you to see the promise, I will be with you. God's presence with us is the source of strength and courage. So when we actively seek God, we are actively seeking his strength. We're actually seeking the boldness that he gives us by his spirit. When we study and obey God's words, we are combating fear because God said, be strong and courageous and said, be careful to do all that I've commanded you to do because the word of God combats fear in our life. And since fear is the enemy of faith and faith defeats the attack of fear, when we read the word of God, when we stand on the word of God, when we seek to obey the word of God, it conquers fear. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. And remember, faith is what conquers fear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. And God here in Joshua says that strength and courage comes by being careful to obey all that I have commanded. So where does the strength and courage come from? The word of God, the commands of God. Someone has said fear is the devil's most powerful weapon, but the weapons that God has given us are more powerful. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, they're not within our own strength, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons that God has given us are supernatural and they are able to demolish the strongholds of fear that Satan uses to try to control and intimidate us. 
Paul identifies the chief, wep the chief weapon that destroys the strongholds of the enemy. He said it is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. When the word of God is living and active in us, it will defeat every work of the enemy that he uses to try to entrap us. Amen. Folks, when I first came to Christ, I battled with the fear of rejection because I had a very low self-esteem. I've battled with the fear of failure because I never felt like I could measure up due to, and I shared with you before coming to Christ at a late age in his life, my father uh, was very verbally abusive with me. Uh, my sister was always his favorite. She could do no wrong. He praised her to high heaven. But even though I was a straight-A student, I was constantly told that I was stupid, that I can't do anything right, that I will never accomplish anything. And um, that just tore me down. I didn't recognize that until many years later in my childhood. I didn't realize it as anything abnormal because it was the only father I knew. But later on, God revealed it to me when he wanted to bring healing and deliverance to me over that. But I, I, I battled the fear of rejection. I would walk into a room, sit towards the back. I would leave before, uh, the, you know, as quickly as I could when uh, the meeting or the service was over with. Uh, I battled with the fear of failure. Uh, I, I, I didn't feel like I could measure up. And um, I battled with the fear of public speaking, even when God was calling me to the ministry. But through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, these strongholds of fear have been demolished in my life, freeing me to do what God has called me to do. Amen. And folks, the same God who did that in me is the same God is, who is with you. And he will enable you to overcome fear. He will enable you to walk in strength and courage and accomplish all that he's calling you to do. The question is, will you surrender your fears to God and ask, you, ask him to free you from them and commit to seek him and his word so that you can stand in faith and you can walk in strength and courage? Bow your heads with me tonight. If you want to be free, from some fears that are holding you back. I want you to identify them. I want you to name them to God and I want you to surrender them to God and say, God, I don't want to be controlled by this fear any longer. I'm asking you to set me free. We sang earlier that he is the bondage breaker and fear is a bondage that keeps us enslaved. He is the bondage breaker. He's able to free you tonight. So identify that fear right now. Call it by name and say, God, I surrender it to you and I ask you to set me free. You talk to God right now, right where you are, and ask him to free you from those fears. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you because your, your word is alive and it is powerful. Your word is able to set us free. Your word is able to defeat every work of darkness and your word is able to break every chain over our soul. Father, we pray right now for those that are battling fears in their life, but they want to be free. Father, tonight as they identify that fear and surrender it to you, I pray that those chains would begin to break and fall powerless off of them, Lord. God and Father that they would begin to experience a newfound freedom in you as they walk in faith as they seek you as they stand upon your word and as they choose to trust you in every circumstance Lord God Father we are praying that you will do this work setting your people free from fear so that we can live in faith and be who you are calling us to be and do what you are calling us to do in Jesus name we pray Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. We want to see you on Sunday morning at 11. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.